الرحمن الرحيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أه السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته شيخنا بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبي الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Welcome back to Roots Conversations podcast session uh, I've lost count how many podcasts we've done I believe this is uh, 21 but if it's not then uh, we can edit that one now inshallah Alhamdulillah Roots Conversations has been uh, has been continuing its podcasting for quite some time now we try to provide a tarbiyah mindset when it comes to uh, subjects of spirituality, personal finance, uh, things that affect us socially, physically, emotionally, mentally, but also from a faith perspective. And it tries to ground us towards uh, Islam and the Islamic principles that we try to follow. With me today, inshallah, is uh, Sheikh Ona Muawiyah, uh, Ustad, uh, brother, Mashallah, someone uh, I found very difficult to summarize in a, in a, as a biography, which is not usually the case. Uh, may Allah preserve him. But he's uh, he's been very busy since he's graduated from University of Medina. What year was it you graduated, uh, Ustad? 2008. SubhanAllah, you look a lot younger than I imagined. Mashallah. Bro, uh, that's how it is, bro. That's how it is. Black on crack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. So, no, what mashallah. it was, if you, if you look yeah. at my pictures when I was 20, I looked even yeah. younger than that. So, if anything, alhamdulillah, I've come into a good form, inshallah, because when I was at 20, I probably looked about 12. <laughs> <laughs> alhamdulillah, that's good, it's good. So, Ustad Ma'awiyah, did you, did you graduate in Haditha or was, or was it Sharia? Was it no, Sharia? I went to Sharia. Um, so, I, okay. I went to Sharia because, okay. I mean, to be honest, it's an interesting one. I guess it's similar to, to all people who go to university. You don't really know how the subject really is because you've never really studied it. So, mm. um, I I had a, a taster of what what usul al-fiqh was, and I thought, okay, I preferred that than hadith because hadith is a lot of name of men and narrators, and I, I'm really bad at names. Mm. So I figured if I went to Chadiyah, at least I'd avoid the names, not realizing yeah. that there were names. There were enough names there as it was in, in hadith as well, but just a different type of thing. But yeah, I'm Chadiyah. Alhamdulillah. And in terms of like your time in Medina, you graduated, and I believe you had transitioned uh, into Islamic teaching. Is that correct in Arabic and whatnot? Yeah, so when, when, before we graduated, us and me and a few other students, we had the discussion. What would we do once we graduated? Because that's always the question. Um, and challenge, really, um, for anyone who wants to study Islam. Realistically, uh, a person who studies Islam to a higher level, the options aren't, aren't extensive. I guess that's every, 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 everything, really. Yeah? If you're a doctor, you can't really do things to do with medicine. You can't really be become a CEO of a tech company. But I mean, so you, your options are kind of are limited and even more limited in Western countries whereby people don't necessarily um, want that kind of qualifications. Some of them even respect that kind of qualification. So what we could do was a bit limited. For me, I didn't want to spend seven years studying Islam and then come back and do nothing related to what I just, just spent seven years to do. So I figured, look, I want to teach Arabic and Islamic studies um, and I'm going to try my best to sustain myself financially by doing what I, I came here to do. Um, and I didn't want to um, work for someone else um, because I didn't want to have any, any restrictions of what I can or can't teach, that kind of thing. Um, so that's, yeah, so since it, even before I graduated, I started teaching Arabic and uh, Islamic studies and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Mashallah, mashallah. And then in terms of, uh, I mean, this is a very cliche statement, but I, I can imagine 
because of you mentioned already university of medina graduate transitioning into the west in terms of career uh, and some institutions not recognizing or some companies not recognizing your accolades or your traits but in terms of reinventing yourself if that concept does exist did you have to did you feel like you had to dabble into things that you didn't presume you'd had to do before coming to uk um see the thing is before i became muslim i was into it technology and science anyway uh, and when i became muslim that kind of took a back 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 foot you could say and I focused all my attention on Islam because it was a new thing. I wanted to in, engage 100% in this. And to be honest, at that time in my life, things like physics and computing became a bit boring to me because I was more interested in Quran and Sunnah and the rest of it. But there comes a point that when you've, you, when you've quenched your thirst to a certain degree uh, and you've moved on a bit, you, old habits return. So even from when I was in Medina, I, I, some of my old traits began to creep back up. I, 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 even I was in Medina, I built my own computer again, uh, in, installed from scratch, built, 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 built from parts, which is what I did before I became Muslim. I began to learn about more, go back into, into studying physics again. Um, so, and, and I also dabbled in programming and whatnot. So, um, I had already kind of, re, kind of rever started to reverse back to old habits anyway. So when I came and graduated to graduate from the university now, and I tried to establish the institute to teach Arabic and so on and so forth. In doing that, I did need to have a website. I did need to do certain other things, which I was doing anyway. So it was more like, okay, I need to do this. Just do that. There were some things I picked up along the way, which I don't, which are, which are quite new. Um, but again, it wasn't really far from what I was already in. I mean, even before Islam, I was pretty big into maths as well. So when I had to do accountancy, it wasn't that difficult it was just numbers the same thing so you know it, 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 i can't really say there was much that it was absolutely new um maybe it's maybe economics because that was i didn't really i can't think of anything before islam that was in that direction but maybe you could say it's mathematics in a way i don't know so alhamdulillah it looks like uh, you had something beforehand and then when you came back to uk after graduating there was some sort of uh, interest that reignited uh, yeah yeah, sure yeah because when i was in college when I was in college, um, uh, part of my computing A-level, uh, which I didn't finish, um, was we had to do Delphi programming. So I already had experience in programming using Delphi and Fortran at the time. That's one of the reasons why I left that A-level because it was teaching me stuff I already knew. And I'm like, to, to, to mm. the teacher, I mean, I mean, you're telling me about, you know, zip drives. I mean, <laughs> who uses a zip drive anymore? I don't know if you even know what a zip drive is. It was like these kind of things, but Listen, yeah, you have to learn these things. Because I was a bit obnoxious at the time saying, you know, I want to do more, mm. more, more stuff. And at the time I was doing four A-levels. I think, you know, I'm wasting my time with this fourth one. Yeah. Just drop it and stick to the other three. So like I said, it was, it, I already had experience in that regard. So when it came to learning PHP and MySQL mm. and that kind of stuff, I already had experience doing databasing and web design and programming as well. I had to learn, I had to learn action script as a Medina, which is basically mm. just another language. So if you want to learn one language, Going to another language isn't that difficult. I mean, even right now, I'm kind of learning TypeScript, which is an extension of JavaScript, which is an extension of, you know what I'm saying? It's all, they're all connected at uh, some point. Slightly off topic though, I have a question because I'm learning Arabic uh, the past three, four years. Uh, would you say learning code is uh, is similar to, uh, or being like a software developer is similar to learning a language? Uh, like for example, you're learning a language in software, you're learning a language in actual uh, you know, physical speech, like. Arabic yeah, so definitely, um, especially as, as it relates to Arabic. I, I, I even said to one of my teachers in Saudi, Saudi, I said, well, how comes I find Arabic so easy? And he said, he said to me, do you like maths? 
I said, yeah, actually, I, I, I'm, that's one of my specialities. Uh, I said, that's why. So there are, there are, if you look at the underpinning on the online premise of Arabic, mathematics, coding, physics, all of that, or all of them heavily use logic. Mm. So if you're mm. logically no. inclined, if you're, if you're that way inclined mentally, some people are creative speak thinkers, some people are logical thinkers, everyone's have different, different way their minds are wired. I'm very logical in that regard. Um, so those kind of topics, you tend to gravitate in that direction. So learning Arabic language, yes, in terms of the grammar, is very logical. But as I found out the hard way, um, learning a language isn't just about the grammar. When I was in Saudi, I put a lot of effort to mastering the grammar. And Alhamdulillah, I think I achieved a lot of what I wanted to achieve in terms of learn, learn, learning the grammar. But then I discovered after mastering what I called of the grammar, that I was still struggling in the language. And that's when I realized that there's the other component of all languages, which is just the vocabulary. There's simple vocabulary. You can't get over the fact you just, have to, you just have to remember the vocabulary. You might know exactly how to structure your sentence and piece it together in a coherent manner. Mm. But if you haven't got the actual kalimat, the actual words in your head, mm. then it doesn't really matter much. So you have to combine between the two. The grammar is great, but I would say, I would say in any language, 20% of your time is in grammar, 80% of the time is, in, is, is absorbing the, cali, the, the vocabulary because you can speak very know. well. You can mm -hmm. end up speaking very well with little grammar, but mm. you can't speak at all even if you master the grammar. That's just the reality. Subhanallah. Okay. Is that like the Pareto principle, 2080? Where... No, no, I, I, it's just, it it's me, like I said, in my first two years, I, I literally, I put like 90, 10, 90, 10 kind of thing. I put all my effort into the grammar mm. and I literally clocked it. But then I was still struggling and I was like, but, but why? And I realized because I want to express myself, mm. but I just don't have the words available to do that. So that's yeah. why you find certain uh, methods to teach languages are more effective at other certain things. So I know a lot mm. of graduates when they come to the UK, they teach Arabic. Nahal Sarf, Medina Bok, that kind of stuff. And it, 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 you, you, would, you would achieve the goals of that, of that curriculum, which is to get you ready for university mm, but you yeah. want to achieve the goals of speaking and understanding which is the goal that you would which was the goal you would achieve just by living in saudi arabia so there, there are things you would achieve being in saudi that's not within the curriculum the curriculum mm. is one goal but the other goals which is listening and speaking uh that comes through just being there interaction with teachers and other stuff which is which is not within the text directly does that make sense yeah, no, no, that does make sense. Someone who's I've studied for quite some time, and I feel like uh, that does make more sense, uh, especially when you're around people that speak Arabic. I found that uh, I definitely find it a lot easier uh, to grapple with the language because I'm dealing with vocabulary consistently. Whereas if I'm just sitting I mean, behind books, it can be a bit cumbersome. But then I do enjoy the Nahu and Sarf aspect definitely as well. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the, 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 the grammar, the understanding, thing is what. You have to understand what, what does it help you do? What, what, goals, what goals does it achieve for you personally? If you master the grammar and master all the intricacies of the Arabic language and all the nawad and that kind of stuff, <clears throat> when it comes to open up the text, the Quran mm. and Sunnah, you can break down things on a deeper yeah. level because you yeah. see things that others mm. don't even recognize. Yeah, 100%. But if you just want to have a conversation with a dentist about why I've got a pain in my mom's <laughs> teeth and every time I do this, it's a challenge because he's not asking about the Arab of one. He's not asking for the, the Rafa or the, the Nasb. He's just saying, how does it feel? And I'm not with toothpaste. I'm saying, 
So that, that happened with me in my first, after my first year, I came back to the UK. I said, I'm going to memorize a book on agile, which is a grammar. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go through the explanation of, of that, what they mean. And I spent the whole summer holiday in the UK mastering that and I clocked it. So when I went back the second year, grammar wise, I was finished, but I was still struggling. Mm-hmm. So at the end, in the end of the second year, I stayed in Saudi Arabia and I joined the, the, the Quran Hif, Hif program in Masjid Nabawi. And that was for the whole three months when I was there. And I was surrounded by only Arabs at the time. Mm. And I learned actually more Arabic spoken while I listening in that three month period than I did the whole previous two years. Obviously, oh. the previous two years gave me a good intro yeah. to the Arabic language. But I'm saying it's because I was forced to day in and day out speak and engage mm. and in talk. And I was pushed to do that in that environment. I was able to accelerate forward. Whereas mm. prior to in those two years, when you're in the classroom, you're listening and you're writing. You're not really engaging. You just listen. Mm. Make, if you do speak, you'll be during a break time to your English friends. Or mm. at the end of lesson, you go home with your English friends. You go home to your wife who speaks mm. English. So you don't really get that, exper- that, 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 that you know, interaction. So yeah, if you want to learn any language, I would, just, I would definitely suggest small amounts of repetition. That's why that, there's a good app, which you should uh, look into called Geolingo. Duolingo? Uh, Is it Geolingo? Yeah. D-U-O-L-I-N-G-O. I'm using it now to learn Turkish and it is really effective. Really right, effective. It. You sold me. I'm so, going to download it. And the reason why it's effective, again, it's not mm. because it teaches... The grammar... I've, I've actually looked at the Arabic and there's a lot of grammatical mistakes, but it drills the words. It drills the phrases. It drills it over mm. and over again. Just 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes every day. By the end of the two months, you probably can have a conversation because you just drill it. Same thing with coding. Same thing yeah. with coding. You can learn how to do a loop. You can learn how to do if statements or not. But until you actually make and develop a project and go through the hassle of doing it over and over and over and over and over again, it will never be. Hmm. You know what I mean? Also good at research as well, perhaps as well, because I can imagine. Uh, for example, like with Arabic, I go into Hanswe Herb Dictionary or I look at a few Arabic resources to help me out. I'm stuck. I'm, I'm presuming it's, it's equivalent to GitHub, perhaps. I don't know, something like that. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the thing is, that, like I said, there's there's two types. There's the the I would call it the engineering approach, and mm. I'll call it the 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 philosophy philosophical okay. uh, no, philosophy, yeah. philosophical approach. As in, you can learn the the the, <clears throat> the details and the equations of physics, but an engineer does it. Mm. So you can learn Arabic from that perspective, or you can learn Arabic from the doing perspective. So mm. um, ironically, I used to be very heavy on a philosophical, not the, 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 the ideological side of you know, teaching people how their language is and blah, blah, blah. But now after about a decade of teaching Arabic, I'm like, you know what, just learn the language and speak. And then once you get there, then other stuff will come later on. It's just like, you know, baby steps. But mm. uh, one final point, you mentioned hands wear. Um, mm. Don't use hands wear. Interesting. Don't use hands wear. Is it because non-Muslim who made it authored it? No, 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 nothing like that. No, 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 nothing like that. It's, okay. it's simple because um, yeah. Um, when it teaches you the language, it teaches you Arabic in English. Mm. What you want is a dictionary that teaches you Arabic with Arabic. Nothing. So a Maurid is a better dictionary because although it gives you the English translation, it also gives here, right? you. No, 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 no. 
No, no, no. no. That's the same book. But it's in English. A, oh, okay. Is it a pocket-sized one? A pocket yeah, it's in English, though. Oh, it's the English. Oh, no, it's Arabic to Arabic as well, I think. No, no, it's no. Terrible, I yeah. mean, the book, the book it is the right book, but it's the yeah. wrong book. There's two, there's two molders. There's a molder, which is a pocket-sized one, which is useless because most of the words you look for, you can't find it. But okay. the, the bigger one, it's a big, big, big one. It's the same thing. It has Arabic and English. It has both. It has Arabic and it has English. But in the middle, it has also other Arabic words. Mm. So you'll have Zahaba mm. and you have to go. But in the middle, it'll have Intalaqa. Okay. Or have other words that are also synonyms to, yeah. to mm. the Arabic word. This is what you want to do. You want to, you want to mm. try and lean on the Arabic. But if you fail, lean on the English. You want to try and okay. have the bra- where hands where go straight from Arabic to English, Arabic to English, Arabic to mm. English. And you want to learn Arabic through Arabic words, not learn Arabic through English words. That makes sense, honestly. We learn a lot by association. Mashallah, you know, is I actually didn't intend to talk about Arabic, but wallahi, I think, <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, it seems like it seems like we should definitely get you in the podcast just to talk about Arabic. Because for me, a lot of the stuff that you say, it's hard for me to accentuate. But it really does make sense of what you're saying. Because one last thing about hands where is hands where and that perspective of the Arabic and English, it's that's the problem. But the other problem I see with it is that it is it teaches it, it, it tries to it's funny because it tries to do too many things. So Arabic books, Arabic dictionaries, you would find the word through the root. Hmm. So for example, Mustashfa would be in the chapter of Shifa. Hmm. Shafa. Because that's the root of Mustashfa. Hmm. In Mawrid, the root of, you find mustashfa in mean because it begins with mustashfa. Okay. Mean. Is that how you so want it? The, right? Yeah, for a beginner, yeah. Mm. Because remember, it's not, it's not, it's not about um, going deep. Yeah. If, you, if you've got to the level, the thing is, it hands where the thing that if you've got to that level where you can use morphology, mm. then why are you using the English dictionary? You should be using Arabic only. Mm. It's, almost a, it's almost a redundant step. You, you, yeah. If you're at the level of using all the different forms, Add more friction. It yeah, adds more friction, basically. Oh, Whereas, no, for example, like, like for example, if you don't solve uh, or the the left mazid fee, whatever it was, are separate, and then you just said mustashfa, all you want to know your objective is to know what it means. You know, it's mustashfa. Yeah. It sounds like a, it's mufail or it's mufail, but you want to know yeah. the meaning, so you can search it on, on meme wise. Just go to the it's, it's, I think it's just down to level, really. If you're a beginner, yeah. all you want to know is the meaning of the word, Sah- and if Sah- possible, other other words similar to that in Arabic. If you act, if you if you progress in your language to another point where you know soft, you know your fa'il mm. and the and, and uh, what kind of stuff, then you don't even want to use that hands away. You want to go straight to the to the Arabic only dictionary, which would be probably That's true. And we'll see it, for example, that kind of stuff. But anyway, mm. yeah. That's just my Mashallah, man. Mashallah. You know what it is? You know this actually transitions quite nicely because the more I think about the actual topic of personal finance, and you were going to get into uh, you know investments and whatnot, I actually realized that. For me, I had to go through a journey where I had to appreciate the Sharia uh, and appreciate fiqh and appreciate how Islam is. It, it provides us a, a framework. So, for example, like uh, after after fiqh al ibadat, muamalat, muasharat, you go into buying and selling. You go into contracts. You go into. And at first, I was like, "What? You know, like I want to learn about spirituality. I want to learn to dabur al Quran, and that's important as well." But there's something amazing about understanding the framework of how to apply Islam in your mu'amalat. It's something mm-hmm. amazing and so beautiful that it even converts people to Islam by how yeah. much justice there is in it and how, how, uh, how beautiful it is when you go beyond the, 
the mubahan and the haram and you go into mustahab and these kinds of things and try to be good in your conduct and whatnot but you know uh, from your perspective someone who actually studied this in uh, medina and then lived it to a certain extent because look it's not very common i'm going to be honest with you it's not very common you meet graduates of of, of seminaries traditional seminaries but i've also dabbled into co-dabbled into uh, business tijara and actually done it themselves web development all, all these kinds of things that they would usually leave to other people and become imams mm-hmm. allah bless them as well but in your perspective you've probably seen the usage of mu'amalat and these kinds of things more than other people so from your perspective studying sharia and looking into how important is it for muslims how should we think about finance how should we think about uh, mu'amalat in general from your perspective so one thing i would say is that um sometimes people think of the sharia almost as if it's this topic it's burdensome topic topic i would say as in you know it's what i can and can't do and it's almost like a list of rules um i want to sit close to allah and this is taking me away this this distraction it's like a distraction taking me away from the worship of allah but what i don't realize is that the studying of the sharia and even implementing that is an act of worship and it does actually bring you close to allah even when it comes to learning about things which are arbitrary and not even even related to you um not in the immediate future even just by witnessing the justice of al-islam and the mindset of islam that even that increases your increases your 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 iman and you can actually get close to allah with dhikr as well as getting close to allah by studying the sharia and getting close to allah in implementing the sharia and there's also another element which i've come across myself even is that there's one element of studying the sharia but and you, and obviously there's that the, that that level of iman that you increase in but it's also when you implement it and when you see the hikam the wisdom behind its implementation is a further um increase in iman so let me give one example um um salam there's a thing called salam in islam often it's touted as being the alternative to interest what is salam for those who are unaware salam basically is a bit like what, they, what it's, some people some people um they tout it as like futures contracts basically you're buying something in the future now it's not futures as we know it today because they 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 the way they implement it is not in accordance to the sharia there's certain things that is required in the sharia um that they don't have which makes what they do haram what we do halal but basically it means that i you are a farmer you need money you need capital to buy the seed to buy the fertilizer to buy the the the, the tools so you sell your produce before you even before you've even produced those produce produce so you raise that capital and then when you produce the produce they get their their product at discount obviously because that's 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 why they gave you the money in advance they gave you a discount and you've managed to produce um, the product in excess of what they wanted so you can now sell it for others and so on and so forth you get the gist um now i studied that to us 2018 or 2008 or before obviously um but only when i had to do i, I did a business transaction or a contract where this came involved where i really saw the benefit of it and this is what always always will always happen you, you study the sharia you understand this wisdom but then only when you you live it is when you feel it and i didn't realize the connection 
So let me explain what the what, what my situation was. So uh, because I do photography, that's another one of the things I do. I do I do photography, and someone someone wanted me to do product photography for the Amazon items. So they said we want this, 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 this number of pictures, for this number of items in this particular way. We wrote it all down on paper. We had a meeting, sat down, wrote down all the issues he wanted. We agreed on a price. He paid half now, and I'm going to be other half once I delivered. Um, so I, I did what I was told to do. I followed each box, checked it all off, submitted the final result. He made some points. I adjusted, but he still wasn't happy. And he said, he's not going to pay. I said, but brother, we had a meeting. We sat down. We defined, we homed in, and everything in this box I ticked, therefore I should get paid. You see, if I don't like the pictures, I said, but brother, that's not, the, that's not the agreement. The agreement was these number one to seven points, and I've done one to seven points, liking it is subjective, and the contract is not based on subjective opinions. It's the issue of have you fulfilled what you asked me to do, you know? So we went to the Council to get, to get uh, this resolved, and alhamdulillah, it was resolved, and I got my pay and whatnot. But when I look back at the situation, I realized my mistake because I didn't think it was connected. I just thought it was simple. You know, you want the pictures, I get paid for it, game over. Only when we had a problem and I started to think about why did we have this problem? I realized why we had this problem. So the reason we had a problem was because we, we were in between a paid employee and seller. A waged laborer and someone who produces a contractor as a, as a contractor. So as a waged laborer, you get paid per hour. I work as long as you tell me to work and I get paid per hour. If you want me to edit these pictures, I'll edit them all day long until you're happy with it and I get paid per hour. That's fine. A contractor says, I want X, Y, and Z, and I want to pay you this price for the delivery of that project. So that's a contractor. So he wanted the contractor behavior, i.e. a set, set wage. So he wanted a contractor product as a set wage, a set fee, but wanted me to behave like an employee as I'm working all day long, as long as I'm happy I'm working. That, that's working very working. common, by the way. That's a very common issue that people tend to have, especially freelancers. Yes, yeah, exactly. Definitely. But that's the issue. The issue was, like I said, I had studied it. So you'd assume, but just because I studied it, I wouldn't have the problems. But I did, because although I studied it, I didn't recognize its application at that time. And this is what I'm saying, that level of it. But when, 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 I, when I had that, that light bulb moment, I was like, SubhanAllah, the shari'ah is already complete. It was already there for me, and I didn't realize it. And this is what you get by even studying the shari'ah, even if immediately you failed to implement it because you either forgot or you didn't realize or you didn't understand certain things. Throughout your life, as you are trying your best to navigate throughout the world, as you see the, it's almost like as you see the shari'ah being revealed to you, it's, it's magnificence is being revealed, it's perfection has been revealed, and that in and of itself lets you say, SubhanAllah. So, Allah. you know, that's, 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 mm. this is the element of dhikr within studying mm. the Sharia. SubhanAllah. And this kind of, uh, I mean, I want to uh, move on towards uh, the subject because I feel like, I feel like it's, uh, it's kind of centered around the idea of, of, uh, of how we manage our finances, how we manage to use uh, our, how we basically for example you mentioned uh, the contract for example like um, 
Uh, I, I don't want get, to get into the fatwa habit of just throwing you questions and masa'in and whatnot, but like even the example of car finance, if you were to get for some ulama say, if you get one car on a on a finance deal and that certain finance deal is cost plus and you're, there's no third party involved and they are the dealers of the the fine, the brokers of that deal, then some say it is permissible under under the contract of Bayer Salim. Some do say, some say it's probably not Allah Alam. But like the idea of 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 knowing something can be impermissible if I got a third party involved for sake of argument. And and knowing that there's actually it's a fine line. Uh, and you have to make sure you chase up the company, the car company, and make sure there's no third party involved and make sure that you know these are trustworthy people. And it's any any form of contract you're dealing with the person, you have to know that person. Do you trust that person? Do you trust that organization, that business? And it's subhanAllah, it's amazing. Um, I mean, that's just one thing that I'm currently looking into right now because I need to sell my car and get a new car. But like, that's something that I was thinking about and I spoke to some scholars about this. But like, from your perspective, you know, from how important is it to 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 use personal finance and it's not per, use personal finance yet, but like how do how important is personal finance in our daily lives and knowing the sharia and how to apply it given our situations so one of the one of the biggest and most significant blessings of studying the sharia is that not only do you learn what allah has prescribed us to do we also learn an understanding of why these things are prescribed and when you start when you start and i guess you could say this is the this is where you get where you pick up on the ethics of al-islam sometimes people they 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 focus too much on what i can and can't do and lose on why you shouldn't do it and i think this is something and when it comes to finance specifically this is one of those areas where i think people uh maybe due to selfish reasons maybe due to environmental reasons whatever the reason being be but they get preoccupied with but can I and forget the but should I kind of question so okay let's have a, let's have a look at this one personal finance in Islam we find over and over and over again this disdain this disgust of um, liabilities of living beyond your means living in debt we have so many examples the upper hand is better than the lower hand i mean again it's this thing that the prophet muhammad refusing to pray over someone who died and had a debt on his head um the extra the prohibition of interest in the first place and the allah's at war with not only one who receives the interest payment but the one who gives the interest payments one who witnesses the interest agreement the one who enforces it so we see, ethically speaking, we see, we see a message being sent to us. A message being sent via legislation. And the message is, live within one's means. Earn, work, and then reap the rewards. I, I mean, the, the, the biggest example of that is Al-Islam itself. We struggle and strive in this dunya we give up on the things we want and desire for a reward later on. We don't get Jannah today, we get Jannah later on. We have at the core of our being delayed gratification. We delay reward until later on. Fasting Ramadan, delayed gratification. Um, Hajj, delayed gratification. All of that delayed 
gratification. I mean, just look at the Hajj. The Hajj. From the Miqat. You can't cut your nails. You can't cut your hair. You can't use perfume. We go for all this suffering until at the end, now you can do it. Now you can get the reward of the suffering. So we have this as our core ethos. Wait, patience, then reward. Finance is the polar opposite of that. Enjoy now, work later. Get what you want immediately and pay for it tomorrow. Bring forward your future and enjoy your future today and deal and worry about the problems later on. So even if, for the sake of argument, one could frame a contract that is within the remits of Islam, one should still ask himself, but should I be doing that though? Because if you live within the remits and the framework of Al-Islam, it not only changes your actions, it changes your decision-making, it changes your mind. I'll give you an example, a personal example. For years, I'm a, I'm a tech guy, I'm a gadget guy. I mean, I, I, even one of my friends called me, called me Inspector Gadget because I love my gadgets. They always say, what's your latest gadget? So I'm, that's me. <clears throat> and one of the biggest gadgets I've always wanted is a Tesla. Oh, brother, Tesla, auto drive. I mean, I've been hired Tesla just to get experience. I've hired a Model X, I've hired a Model S. I mean, oh, Tesla, Tesla, I want a Tesla. And I got so muftoon, I got so afflicted with this fitna of the Tesla <laughs> that I, I looked at the finance program and I, and I looked at the lease program even. I thought, okay, look, I got this much money coming in on wages. I got this much, you know, I need to live on. Could I pay it down monthly and get my Tesla. So I looked at it and I calculated that, you know what, I could do this, you know. It's, on, it's only X amount of money a month, you know. That was my mindset. It's only X amount mm. of money a month. So, <clears throat> uh, but then I, 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 was, I was looking into it, I was doing calculations, I put all the product plan, put in plan in place, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm going to do this. And then I paused and I thought to myself, well, wait, you know, let me ask myself a question. If I had all the money ready right now to pay for it cash, would I do that? Mm. And this is the question you need to ask yourself. When I looked mm. at, I, I went back to the, web, the Tesla website, I looked at how much would it cost to buy the car I want right now cash. Mm. Yeah. I was in shock. Mm. I only was focusing on the monthly payments. Mm. I wasn't really looking at what am I actually paying to get what I want. And I looked at the value for the price of it and I was embarrassed. I'm like, mm. I can't believe I was willing to pay six figures for a car. I said to myself, I could build a masjid for that. Yeah. I've literally, my, my akhirah, I've literally said in my, my hereafter, I've literally said rather than having a masjid, where the Muslims pray five times a day, pray Eid, have nikah, service mm. the community. Rather than do that, I want to drive around in some piece of metal. <laughs> I think and, as well, Ustad, sorry to interject, is what the most important thing is, well, the masjid uh, obviously is akhir rewards, but it's also an appreciating asset as well. Or as, um, as, as a car, you just, the it just, there's no investment except enjoyment. It's just farah, you know, that's really what you have in your yeah. But the point I wanted to get here wasn't the issue of the Tesla. I mean, Tesla's still a good car. And if you have excess no. cash, if you're a millionaire, then whatever. Because you, <laughs> you can build a masjid yeah. and have the car. I mean, for my situation at the time, 
it, I couldn't do that. If, if, I was to, if I was to buy a Tesla, I would have no money left. So literally, mm. I, all my... Oh, anyway, back to the point. My point wasn't that. My point was... <laughs> yeah. No. When you frame your mindset in a credit framework, mm. the way you think is different than if you frame yourself in an asset uh, framework, as in if you work first and then buy. I, even brothers come to me and say, brother, can I, how, how can I buy a house? I mm. said to them, why do you need a house? Oh, because this and because that and blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, great. You have your reasons for having a house. Cool. So let me ask you a simple question, brother, because you're asking about this finance here and that finance here. If you actually have three quarters of a million pounds in your bank account right now, liquid, would you really spend all of that on a house? Like it's, it's just mm. gone. It's just, it's just there, gone. Would you really do that? I mean, knowing mm. you could probably pay rent for 10, 20 years or actually retire if you just leave, leave the UK. <laughs> I mean, mm. think about it. You have three quarters of a million pounds. That is retirement money in many countries. That is in Turkey, that's retirement money. In Malaysia, that's retirement money. You could finish working and employment, spend your time with your kids, maybe travel a bit with your wife and do it. But you could do, you can do that with the value mm. you want for a house in London. Would you mm. still do that? And I think if you frame it in that way, I reckon most people won't even wouldn't buy a house. Because they, mm. it's literally all the all their money is gone on this one asset that they know it could burn down. You know, something could happen. You get taxed on it every single time. You, I mean, there's so many things. So many things you have to you have to maintain on that property. Mm. I mean, there's one thing that yeah. one Catherine mentioned. Uh, he said that any asset you purchase, factor in ten percent of its value just to maintain the asset. Allah. Mm. George Foreman. I think it was George Foreman, a boxer. Mm. Obviously, being a boxer, you get paid millions for fights. He went bankrupt because of the house he bought. Wow. He bought a house that was worth, I think, five to $10 million. And mm. he never realized the cost of maintaining that house. He was, and he, had, he, end, he ended up having to sell the house because he couldn't afford to look after the house. Wow. Just to clean the pool, to, to heat that mm. building, it costs mm. money. So, yeah, back to back to the point is that, I, you, brother, you could find a car to put on finance. But the question is, mm. do you need that, brother? I mean, mm. realistically, uh, I would, that's why I always encourage people, look, if you're going to buy something, just buy it outright. Because at least at that moment, mentally mm. speaking, your decision-making is sound. Mm. If you're going to pay, you're going to pay, you're going to pay it. Whereas otherwise, it's, it's, it's different. But anyway, I'm, that's just, that's just a, a little bit of, let's generally see how on the issue of finance. I generally say to people, even if it is allowed, don't do it. And on the second point of ethics, as I made a tweet the other day, I said, no one on planet Earth is going to lend you money for you to benefit unless they are family or friends. Mm. Your friends would do it. Your family would do mm. it because you have a connection. Yeah. Ask yourself a question. Why would a stranger do it? If you, if you already have the mindset that riba is haram and riba is making money through lending, money lending, why would a stranger give mm. you a loan? Yeah. So when you ask these kind of, kind of questions, it, make, it makes you think, okay, actually, if I try to live ethically according to Islamic guidelines, even if, it's, even if what I'm doing is to the letter of the law, is it really down to the ethics of the law? Am I really benefiting or am I just trying to, you know, 
put my nets out on a Friday to get my fish on a Saturday so I can pick it up on a Sunday. You know, you know. The, but the, can the I scenario. can I play devil's advocate in that sense? Because yeah, of course, obviously, you can, of course you can. What you're saying is 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 ethics from Islam. It's generally like don't borrow beyond your means, don't live beyond your means, you know, and be moderate with what you have, you know. Uh, but one thing I would like to say is that from an economics perspective in the UK, uh, and this this is in many ways, in many fronts, you have uh, the fact that there are dual income earners now in households, both the spouses yeah. are working. Then yeah. you have, uh, obviously, the government's kind of messed us up a little bit. Uh, and we were, not, we're not in the best situation financially for those in the UK. Uh, inflation is increasing uh, and the salaries are not compensated for that, generally speaking. Uh, cost of living is not compensated. Well, the cost of living is increased, but we're not compensated for that uh, in mm -hmm. some sense. So yeah. we're in a, we're in a situation where the real wages have decreased in real yeah. terms, uh, yeah. and and this this is quite prominent in interest-based societies. I th I'd like yeah. to think, but also in other countries are affected because they're dealing with these countries. But yeah. from that perspective, uh, even even the the concept of having a car. What my, what used to be like ten thousand pounds for a car, and you could maybe five thousand pounds for a car, that would have been enough for you to last a long time. Those cars, same cars on a similar stage, are now worth maybe fifteen, sixteen thousand mm pounds. -hmm. Uh, and you have, and then you suddenly in this predicament where it's like, Subhanallah, like for me, I'm thinking it from a perspective like this never used to be the case. My, I used to see my dad used to go car giant and he used to buy a car outright on the day, and it was like eight thousand pounds, seven thousand pounds, and it would last like six, seven years. But mm -hmm. you can't get cars like that anymore. Every car, they, for some reason, for example, I was researching this because I'm into cars myself as well. I love Teslas. But what's happening with cars now that the, the car brands like Toyota, car brands like Vauxhall, even these brands that were meant to be cheap, they've decided, they've realized that people aren't buying cheap cars anymore. Only a few niche cars that are cheap that, 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 that they keep, for example. But everything else, they're increasing in their value because people want to buy more expensive cars because of finance deals. And so the whole system is pegged around finance of yep. living of credit and then everything yep. just seems so expensive and so yeah. hand on like it's like it's um it's, it's definitely obviously there's not saying this is, you know it's impossible but it's just a one an, another trial for the believer in this country to to look at this more you know deeply. see what you just did there hopefully i want also want to home in i want to zoom in as, a, as, a, as they say zoom and enhance <laughs> i want to zoom and enhance <laughs> on what you just said there because they're making more expensive cars because people can get finance. Mm. And that causes the issue of supply and demand to come into play and so on and so forth. What people don't recognize is that the price of things are going up because of the exact act of borrowing. People sometimes make, they, make, they, they, don't, they don't make the mental connection between the act of borrowing and what that does to the market. And like, kind of what you're saying is, well, everyone's doing it. I'm just an art person on my own. I mean, if I don't do it, I'm disadvantaging myself. And that's actually true. The way the system is, 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 is structured, if you try to live in Islam, according to Islamic paradigms, you are disadvantaged by default and you will feel it. Meaning those who live on savings, those who earn and then spend are disadvantaged as opposed to those who spend and then earn, they are advantaged by the system itself, by the mere currency they use, they are disadvantaged. And this is the reality of the, of the, of the situation. So Muslims are put in a predicament. If I don't, basically it's like, it's like saying, if you, if you don't swim along with the current, you get swept away. I mean, you know, you, you're trying to go swim in the other direction, but the, the river's going in the other direction. Why, why, if I just stand still, at least I'll go along with the current and I won't, won't stress myself off. 
but what you have to recognize is that this is one of the reasons, and I'm sure there's many, many reasons, but one of the reasons why riba is, a, is haram, and one of the reasons why finance is haram, because it, 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 it produces artificial demand. So a little step back for those who are maybe unaware of what we're talking about. I don't want to, I don't want to speak over anyone. So markets, prices are determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. What are you, what am I willing to pay for this thing? When we factor in what other people are willing to pay. So let's just say an iPhone, yeah? So how much are you willing to pay for an iPhone? That's determined, not just because of what you would decide, but also what other people decide. So I remember when iPhone first came out, it was like 500 pounds. And that was a lot of money at the time. It was like 500 pounds for a phone, are you mad? But now we have phones that are 1,500 pounds for a phone. That's three times the price, if you think about it. And that's the flagship phone. The iPhone 4 was a flagship phone, that was 500 pounds. And now the flagship phone is 1,500 pounds. If I had said to you in 2008, 2009, this is a, the price of a phone, 1,500 quid, you'd be like, you're a mug. I'm not paying more than £1,500 for a phone. But why would you say you're a mug? Because no one will be willing to pay that. It's not because phones are not worth that much. It's because no one values it that much. It's only when we all value it that yeah. much why we pay, can pay that much. Mm. Okay. So, if, so that, that teaches us where value actually comes from. Value mm. comes from uh social other consensus. people yeah social consensus and 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 where does where do, where do we get social consensus from we get it from one's abilities so mm. if you earn thirty thousand a year and most people earn thirty thousand a year that means with that thirty thousand a year they have to budget what they want and what they can get mm. and if an iphone 13 Pro, Max, whatever, whatever, the highest, whatever spec. If that is well beyond the budget of most people, then Apple just won't make a sale. Mm. But if Apple says, but wait, don't go away so soon, you can mm. have your phone 0% finance. All you have to do, my son, is pay 20 pounds a month and the phone is yours. All of a sudden, all of this market that was outside of the market, they were not even customers mm. in the first place. Yeah. are now customers. Now there's a demand when there wasn't a demand. And this is where you need to understand why, why finance and this living beyond your means is actually destructive to economies. Mm. It's not constructive, it's destructive to economies. Because eventually, eventually it means it forces, it forces everyone into behaving the same way. If everyone takes finance, mean not taking finance, it is disadvantaged. Mm. So every time a Muslim, if all the Muslims stopped behaving that way, it would force them to think, okay, we, we need to, there's a, there's a whole industry here of how many million Muslims, we need to tap into that market, we need to find products for that market, and then the market will adjust to that demand. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah, um, sense. Um, back to the point. So if you look at the history of uh, house prices or car prices from 1971, when they depegged mm. the dollar mm. from the gold standard and they went onto this whole credit standard, you find that the price of things have continuously gone higher and higher and higher where our wages have not. Yeah. But HPI. again, you, you mentioned wages mm. have not gone up to match inflation. Why? Ask yourself mm. the question why? Because the demand hasn't changed. 
there's still the same mm. number of people. You can't have finance and wages. So there's people that are already there and you actually can still live with the wages you have. You're still happy to work for the wages you have. Mm. So I can afford to still pay you a low wage because you can just get whatever you want on finance, on credit card, on, on you know, re, uh, higher purchase. You can still do what you need to do without the need for a higher wage. If there was mm. no um, facilities for finance, I as an employer will be forced to pay you more because you have to earn, you, you need more. Does that make sense? Mm. So yeah. again, we see that all the problems we are complaining about, inflation, rising prices, all this kind of stuff, it's a byproduct of our actions. Mm. Our actions being, we want to live beyond our means. Yeah. And it's kind of a sad thing because then we're left with the dilemma. Okay, then what do we do then? <laughs> you just told me all this bad news and inflation. You just, you just woke me up to the fact that I am the problem. It's okay, okay then, bro. What's the solution then, isn't it? I mean, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's, the, that's the discussion I think Muslims need to start thinking about and start, start addressing is not, mm. to, not, to, not to moan about the problems, but to start homing in on the solutions. But do you think as well there's an element of how we perceive spending? Like we should have a more producer mindset than a consumer mindset. The idea of just buying the latest gadgets, unless you're a fanatic, like for example, you're an Apple fan or Tesla fan, or I'm, a, I'm in my, I'm in my I'm Samsung Notes or Samsung tablets, wherever it is. I like certain things because they give me value. Uh, and so uh, some people... You know, they look at options like the 0% finance options, like I can pay in installments. So I bought my tablet in three three installments, I think it was, or in Amazon or wherever it was, my phone as well. There was no interest involved. Those kinds of things, or even my washing machine, I'll be honest with you, washing machines are ridiculously expensive. I don't even know why they're so expensive, but I, I had to buy it on a 0% finance deal, an installment plan. Uh, so like in that sense, like I, I don't have, I, I don't have as much disdain, but when you discuss it from a structural viewpoint, you can see how it ramifications it has from a global economic scale in terms of inflation and and especially when you compare it to wages. I never really thought about that before. When you think of it from that perspective, it also shows that you know there's that element too. But I'm just thinking from is there anything wrong with zero percent APR? I know halal white is halal, but like, is it is it wrong for us to view it like a, it's something potentially structurally damaging us? No, I mean no. Well, economy economic wise, yeah. I mean it's damage. Like I said, zero percent finance essentially means you're you're generating demand. That's what mm. it is. The whole purpose of all finance is to, is to generate demand. Yeah, but I know most people can't afford X, Y, and Z. But if I said to them monthly, then all of a sudden now they can afford it. Now I have a new customer. It's, it's, it's essentially, it's like buy one get one free. That's generating yeah. demand. It's generating a customer. Mm. Uh, even if that, even if that is just a lie, and actually that's the half price is actually the cost of it. But I just said buy one get one free. Mm. I'm still generating demand. Yeah. Yep. So. I mean, um, um, so the question is, is 0% finance a bad thing? I mean, is it halal? Of course it is. Mm. I mean, there's, there's no reason why you can't do that. And maybe, let me give you a structure of how it will be 100% halal. I have a car. You want to buy the car off of me. I'm selling the car for a grand. I don't, I don't know what car would be, that would be, but it's a car for a grand. <laughs> so you said, bro, can I buy the car for a grand? I said, yeah, but I can't pay all you now. I'm going to pay in installments. Okay. In that case, it's a grand 500. I'll take a hundred pound a month, but I'm sending you for a grand 500. Fine, we'll do that, yeah? So um, that's not riba because mm. it's not a loan. I've it's sold you the selling, car, right? the car is your car. No, it's not yeah. selling. It's not even oh, selling. Okay. It's, just, it's just selling your car with defer, defer, uh, deferred payment. That's what it is, it's something mm. complicated. You could do that. Um, mm. But we've agreed on a price. We've agreed on a price. 
and that price is the price of that delay you could say yeah i haven't mm. i haven't you know it's a price of that delay and whatnot but because that value was known at the beginning it's not considered to riba riba one of the fundamental things that is wrong about riba is that you have no idea uh-huh. how much you're going to pay in the end will it be mm. this amount or this amount i don't know what the yeah. future's going to hold i might be i might be bankrupt next week and i can't pay or i can't pay for that particular month therefore the price goes higher i don't know what mm. i'm going to be paying for this thing in the end whereas mm. if i set the price at the beginning i know mm. exactly how much i'm, I'm going to pay it's known at the beginning and therefore i can mm. value it as it is so it's nothing wrong with that like that and like i said <clears throat> again look at the ethos the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam refused to pray behind someone who had a debt they hadn't settled mm. yet knowing that having debts is halal mm. i mean just let, let, let us think for a second think in your brain for a second refusal to pray over someone for doing the mubah mm. they were allowed to take a loan but he refused to pay it because it, it because of that disdain to in, it, let us know how serious it's, it is it's, 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 a, it's yeah. not a good thing if you have mm. a debt make sure you settle it quick, quickly and it's a liability and you know what kind of stuff because essentially yeah. when you have a debt you're 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 destroying capital destroying money anyway back to the point no. so zero percent finance what kind of person would, would, that, would that what kind of person would that ethically suit someone mm. who has needs i have mm. 20 children in the house my washing machine is done it's dead i have no savings i need to get a washing mm. machine i am compelled to get a zero percent finance on the washing machine because i need to wash clothes mm. There's a, there's, there was a use case for that person in that circumstance. Uh, let's look at someone else. Uh, case number two. Someone living on their own um, and they earn 60,000 a year or 100,000 uh, uh, a year. They have enough money to buy a washing machine, but they still take it in finance. Mm, why? Yeah. Why would you, why, why do you want to do that? Because mm. I want to do other things. Now, again, there was no need for that debt. So they took the debt. Mm. Okay, let's look at scenario number three. There's another scenario. Another person, he has money. And he has money to buy the thing outright, finance. But he, rather than just dump the money in this asset and buy it outright, he gets a 0% finance, takes the rest of that capital, puts it into an investment in whatever investment case. So he's, he's actually trying to get a discount in the end on the washing machine. Rather than pay the mm. full price of the washing machine, yep. he wants to pay half the price. How half the price? Because the investment that the money is in would hopefully appreciate more than before the, the, the washing machine payments are due or not. So the money is already there. He's not really okay. in debt. It's not really unavailable, but he's taking it from here and paying it off in, in installments from the investment asset. So essentially, he's combined between a trading yeah, opportunity yeah. Mm. and and buying what he needs now that is i would say a neutral case neutral mm. meaning that okay it's, it's, it's permissible and it's and it's an opportunity you could probably do yeah. so it's not a case where you must like the first scenario it's not a case mm. where it's disliked where you just just do it for the sake of doing it it's actually a mm. business opportunity and i would say it's more in a neutral sense. i won't say encourage i'll say it's neutral yeah. there's, there's, there's 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 those three scenarios and that's that's what i would say with regards to the Zero percent, zero percent finance. And another benefit of that third scenario is that the risks are reduced because the capital mm. to pay for it outright is there. And not only is that, you're not using it like you're not using it to buy other things. It's actually sitting there yeah. to be taken from to pay off the thing. But it's just that you're hoping 
for in a, in a speculative manner for the appreciation of this asset, whether you purchase it, it be gold or whatever the case may be. Does that make sense? Yeah, but can I ask a question? That investment, uh, that investment asset that you have, if it's stock, whoever it is, that's halal. Uh, some assets are more liquid than others. So in that yeah. case, would would it be better to choose a more liquid asset that you could, if you needed to, to buy off the outright, there was opportunity for that. For example, like in the past, if it was farming, where you had to wait six months or whatever it was for the crops to be harvested or whatever it was, and so there was more delayed pay, not delayed payment, but there was there was more delayed payments in that sense because you had to wait a certain period of time. Whereas some yeah. things so fast paced right now, if I could just take a uh, from my halal savings account or I can take it from um, you know some assets, I can sell some stock straight away and put that back in. Is there an element that we should be more wise with what we choose to invest that money with? Yeah, definitely, because okay, like you said, the issue of liquidity is issue. I mean, generally yeah. speaking, most likely the case is that if this asset is actually appreciating in value mm. and going up in value, when it comes that monthly time to pay off, you probably just pay from your wages and leave it mm. there. You wouldn't really take from it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, essentially you're taking from it, but you're not really taking from it. It's there to be spent. But if the price is going up and up and up and up and you're getting more monthly wages, they're going to pay from your, your wages. You just do that mm. anyway. It's just like, it's just there. Worst yeah. case scenario, house burnt down, everything is dead, everything is gone, the money's still there to pay for that thing. Mm. You can almost say. So it depends on, on how it is. Obviously, if you put it into something that is illiquid, like imagine, imagine you did some nonsense like you bought a flat, and you know, property is like the most illiquid asset you can probably get. It takes months just to sell the thing, even yeah. if you find a buyer, the paperwork and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's so that is a, that, that's, a, that's a ridiculous mm. um, thing to, to choose in mm. that regards. Um, but yeah, Interesting. but like I said, this is where you have ethics. This is where you have practice in practice. 0% finance is halal with the caveat. I forgot to mention this caveat with the caveat that it is, it is actually 0% meaning that mm. you, the, the, in all scenarios, that's what you pay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Cause there are some 0% finance, which are not really 0% finance. There's 0% finance for a period of time. And then there's okay. interest beyond that time. That's not the same thing. Interesting. That's a, that is a that is a labor based loan. So if okay. if they say zero percent, if they say if they say something like if, if they word it like twelve months zero percent finance, that's still riba mm. because beyond okay. the twelve months is you contractually agreed to pay more. But installment plans is like for example three three installment plans at this price and it's the exact same price as yeah, the original. Yeah. So even then, uh, installment the, the wording here. Look at the word. They say installment plans. That's not that's not finance. That's installment okay. plan. Even the word they use. Is different. Okay. Like some companies, no. what, they'll, what they'll do is that when you sign the contract, yeah, what's really happening in the background is that someone else is paying them cash right now. Yeah, mm. and you're not in agreement with that other person who's paying you. So let's have a let's have a, let's have a scenario. Imagine again, iPhone, yeah, mm. iPhone one thousand one thousand seven hundred dollars, yeah, or one thousand seven hundred pounds or whatever, and you get this zero percent finance from whatever company, yeah. What's happening in the background is that they're getting 1,600 from the financer and you're paying back that person 1,700. Makes sense. So they're still making yeah. money from, from this transaction. Does that make sense? But you wouldn't know. You, yeah, because for example, again, the three people, there's, 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 let's, 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 let's yeah. say Samsung or Apple, whatever. You've Apple over yeah, here. Yeah. They've got their money immediately from, from another person over here who is Tucker Finance. And then they're making money from you paying them. How are they making money? Because they paid Apple less than market value for the product. Okay. Because Apple wants the money right now. They need mm. the, they're willing to, to receive less for the phone 
because they get it now. Because they, absor they absorb the risk. The other they third absorb, party yeah, absorb the risk. Yeah. absorb the risk. Excellent. And the, uh, the third party, Tucker Finance, they get the, the 1,700, which is for the phone mm. in capital, but they only paid Apple 1,500. So yeah. in the back end, there's the stuff going on. But in the front end, it seems like, oh, I'm paying the same as everyone else paying for a phone. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So there are caveats in that regard. That's what I said to you in the beginning. Yeah. Why would, just ask, ask yourself a question. Why would anyone give you yeah. a loan for free? How are, they, how are they helping you? Now, I could help. I could do it. For example, in our, in our madrasa, mm. what, we, what, we, what we've done a few times is that we've said, look, to a parent, if they can't pay madrasa, you just pay us in installments. You, just, you would just end up paying a bit more. Mm. They, they agreed to that and they paid for it. So the agreement between me and them it's an installment plan. If they decide to run off or not pay yeah. or delay, we're still asking for the same value wanted because that's what we agreed to pay. You absorb the risk of, uh, there's an element of risk involved with the installment plan, for example, because yeah. the money they've paid in installments, they haven't paid is, everything. The, the key yeah. issue is how much are they willing, how much are they, how much, what is the, the actual payment demanded of them? Only what was agreed at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. If, I, if at any point I said, well, if you're this late, we're going to now charge you more. Now that's something else. That's something else. Okay. Um, one could say, well, we have, we have said in the past, if you delay, then you will have to absorb the costs of, of um, uh, fees from the courts. So if you, take, if you have to take it to court to get our money back, then yeah. you're liable to pay for that. The difference in yeah. that is that they're not paying us, they're paying the courts. They're saying, look, if you, if you have to go to court, you're paying legal fees. Yeah. So it does end up being more for you, but not more for me. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's, that's just how you, you need to look at it. It's but common. yeah, in terms of the, the, the finance, to be honest, especially, especially things that are cheaper, like cars, washing machines, phones. Yeah. It's Avoid not that it. difficult just to wait. Just to wait. Yeah. Brother. I mean, if you want to want iPhone, you start off in January, mm. put aside £100, £200, January, February, March. By the time October comes, a new phone drops. You have the money there. But I guarantee you, Bob, if you have 1,000 quid in your hand, and you walk to the yeah. Apple store. Are you <laughs> handing over one thousand quid for a phone, brother? It's, it helps. It kind phone? of it kind of de desensitizes you. And so on. basically, from what I'm trying to understand is that there's an element of hikmah behind it, not taking too much loans or debts, being any being in a state of debt, because it just, it it sort of uh, it kind of teaches you the value of things. Whereas if you were to pay in installments or whatever finance, you don't. You just say, oh, it's just twenty pounds a month, thirty pounds a month. I want I want I want everyone to underline. A sentence the brother just said here teaches you the value of things. One of the most significant byproducts of riba is the mm. distortion of prices. Even kuffar who are aware of this say this: it distorts mm. the prices of things in the markets. We can't price things correctly. It's an yeah. a, it's a fact. I I'm telling you as a fact. You can agree with me or not agree with me. I'm telling you this as a objective fact. Mm. House prices in the UK and probably elsewhere in the world are inflated. They are higher than beyond. they should be, yeah. beyond what they yeah. should be. Why? Because of finance. We yeah. think this house is worth half a million, three quarters of a million because that's what the market says. But if yeah. we were to remove riba from the market and people have to actually yeah. pay and save up for it, it <coughs> would not be that price. SubhanAllah. Yep. So the, 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 real, the real casualty of this of this event is the prices. And what's interesting, subhanAllah, subhanAllah, if you, I, I didn't even realize this until just saying this now. The Messenger of Allah, there's a hadith, the Messenger of Allah, the companions came to him and said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, 
the prices of things have gone up. Set the prices for us, O Messenger of Allah. They're too expensive. And he said, verily, it is Allah who sets the prices. Hmm. I do not want to have come on a day of judgment where any one of you comes to me with a mazlama, with oppression, because he set the price at what it shouldn't be. Hmm. The prices of things is almost sacred. It's what it should hmm. be. It's when you mark. add things like interest and riba and hmm. price fixing and government mandates of what things should be and subsidies, all, yeah. all of this yeah. destroys price action. Mm. It destroys 100%. price action 100%. And every time a Muslim Tries to engage in that We are also engaging in the destruction of prices Yeah It's just Yeah So There you go it's, it's, it's Responsible financing is kind of what you're saying right Be responsible Halal is, is good But if you want to be better than As in Look for opportunities where You don't squander your wealth La tusrifu like don't just be yes. don't do this stuff when perhaps for example let's say I want a nice car I want to get a four series Grand Coupe wherever it is whatever or an R Volkswagen Polo R or something do I really need that car if I need to go A to B can I can I settle with a car without financing is, have I Bro, looked I at think what you would find I think what you would find and I think anyone in the comments below or not can can challenge me on this one I think you find that ninety percent this is right you know those 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 stats ninety percent of stats are made up on the spot <laughs> this is one of them. <laughs> Um, I would say 90% or more of all financing are of things we don't need, but we yeah. want. Yeah. I don't need a house, I want a house. I don't need a car, but I want a car. I don't need a new watch, but I want to watch. I don't need a phone, but I want a phone. I think it's all to do with what we want and not what we need. One brother said to me, brother, what you're saying means I can't buy a house. And I'm saying, no, you can buy a house if we're talking about buying a house but what mm. you're saying is you want to buy this particular house in this particular area yeah mm. if you have the money for the deposit on a house even with an islamic mortgage you have enough money to buy it outright just not in the area you want you Probably can buy a north. whole flat yeah. you buy a whole flat for about for about fifty thousand pounds in turkey yeah. Just fly right there, yeah. visa-free, right now, mm. find locations, nice flat, nice area, brand new build, you're the first owner, it's yours. Uh, right. Mm. If you wanted a house, but it's not that you want a house, you want that house. It's not that you want mm. a car, you want a Tesla Model S, border trimmings, autopilot, the, the thick rims, <laughs> all of it, nice white finish. You want all of it, two-tone color, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm telling you, I, I mean, we've all been for it. I went to the Tesla website. I looked at how much the monthly monthly payments was. I said, add on these little bits here. If I add in this bit here, the leather seats and whatnot, it's only adding a 50 quid a month. And we, we, yeah. It's what we want, brother. It's yeah. not what we need. And this, this constant feed in the nafs. There's a yeah, very famous poem in Arabic. The nafs is a raghibah. The nafs yeah. is a desirer. It requires mm. and wants. If you feed it once, but if you hold back the nafs and make and give it only a little, it gets satisfied. Hmm. So it, it's, it, this is why I'm telling you the whole book called the Fiat Standard. It's a good book everyone to, to read. <coughs> it's written recently by um, a Lebanese brother. 
طارق الدواني ها؟ از باي طارق الدواني باني جونز؟ نو 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 از از باي سيف الدين از 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 توكن فروم ذا ذات بارادايم اوف بيتكوين باي از توكن اباوت فيات ذا كارنت ماني سيستم وي هاف توداي اند وات دوز ات هاف وات افكتس دوز فيات هاف اون سوسايتي اند وي ثينك ذات اتس اونلي تو دو انفليشن نو The effects of this goes so deep. It even mm. infects the food we have. He actually drew. He actually demonstrates. In, read a book. I don't want to give too many spoilers, but read a book. He actually demonstrates yeah. how the quality of food throughout the decades has constantly declined more yeah. and more and more and more. But why? The declination of the quality yeah. of the of the food is in correlation to the degradation of the value of your fiat currency. Because companies want to want to keep the prices relatively the same, they don't want to they don't they don't want to put the prices up higher and higher and higher. They want to try and keep it relatively the same because if you put the prices up higher, you're gonna go somewhere else. Hmm. So there's, there's this race to the bottom to try and give you less and less and less. We hmm. all know this. How yeah. much fish is in fish fingers? I mean, there's a, there's yeah. a whole thing about fish fingers that like Processed like foods. like fourteen or five percent of the fish finger is actually fish. How do we mm. get from fish finger, which is actually a cut of fish, in mm. batter wrapped and packaged, to now fish mixed with sawdust <laughs> and some material, some old jeans mixed together and make a fish? How do we get? How do we get from here to here? Because of the money we have, because of the inflation we have, because of the system mm. we have of riba. It affects everything: the psychology, the food, everything. Mm. I think even like did the whole concept of centralizing. Uh, Of decentralizing currency is, I, I understand. Obviously, you're into this crypto finance, and you're into, and I, I can see the economic benefit of of decentralizing finance if that concept does exist, if it does exist, because of the the, the harms that it brings uh, in terms of printing uh, money. Uh, if the either, for example, gold is a generally it's a scarce resource, yeah. whereas receipt face fiat currency is receipt based. It's printed. It's 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 it's, it's, it's superficial. Yeah. And it's manufactured, and I can, as someone who studied economics myself, I can see that the harms that it, that can bring it's something unnatural. We're using uh, as our basis of living. Subhanallah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just just anyone listening, just a little slight correction in case anyone's listening. I'm not really a supporter of crypto finance. Okay. I'm a supporter of Bitcoin, not okay. the other coins. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of useless nonsense out there. Which are yeah. that, which 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 in essence, many of them actually just try to replicate the same system. Mm. I know it sounds mm. a bit weird because you know, cryptocurrencies and how it's supposed to be changed in the world and <coughs> a better place. But to be honest, if you actually look at ninety nine point nine percent of them, all they are doing is trying to replicate the current system. Mm. Only Bitcoin is actually trying to not replicate the system, but actually do the complete opposite. Bitcoin, okay. as a currency, is an anti riba currency. It's a currency which. Actually, fights against riba. People don't really mm. recognize it. Don't, don't see it as that. <clears throat> But Bitcoin actually combats riba. In a mm. Bitcoin system or society, you can't feasibly have a finance system. You can't. You can mm. only have a finance system that we have today if we have an inflationary currency that we have today. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. You couldn't function in a finance-based system. You couldn't. Mm. What it means is that if I was to come to you, so can I borrow you borrow from you one Bitcoin? Yeah, cool. Can you have Bitcoin in five years time? If in that five years time the price of Bitcoin is or the the purchasing power of Bitcoin is getting higher and higher and higher, 
when could you ever pay that back? Mm. Which means that it discourages you from even the idea of interest. Can I say, mm. can you imagine me paying you back a Bitcoin with 1% or 2% or 10% APR? You're, that's ridiculous. It, would, it, it caused you not to do something silly like that. Basically. It caused you not to do something silly like that. Whereas if yeah. you was in a Bitcoin mm. standard, it actually, listen carefully, this is this, 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 the, the flip side. If you think about all we just discussed in the last hour about fiat and about our current system, how it makes us this way, mm. Bitcoin is the complete opposite. It caused you to actually save. If you know today one Bitcoin can buy you, <clears throat> so you need two Bitcoin to buy one Tesla. And if you knew that all you had to do is wait a few years yeah. where you could buy a Tesla with one Bitcoin, you would wait. <coughs> you would delay gratification. You would delay yeah. having to have the instant impulse to buy right now. You say, okay, cool. I can't afford it right now, but I'm just keep on working and just chill. Eventually it'll be coming in my in my in my in my in my scope at some point. It's the complete opposite mindset of I need to buy mm. it right now because I want it right now. No, I can wait. It changes you from a person of instant gratification to a person of delayed gratification, which is mm. in line with what I'm saying. Remit of, so I don't, I don't want to turn this discussion into Bitcoin shilling, but I'm just saying that 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 when, when it comes to crypto, I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of cryptocurrencies. I'm a proponent of Bitcoin specifically. Now, other coins may have their own features and whatnot, but in terms of the currency, mm. Bitcoin is the only one that is an anti-fiat or anti-interest um, baked within the code. Mashallah, may Allah preserve you, uh, Ustad. I understand you've got other commitments coming up very soon, but I just have one more question. Uh, and that's to do, it's to do with investments. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you mentioned a scenario where uh, you, instead of taking uh, paying it outright, you you have the money to pay outright, but you pay in installments, interest-free installments, and the remainder of that money or portion of that money you can put aside for investments for sake of argument. But you're still earning money, your salary, so you, could, you have backup, uh, you have some sort of, Backup financing, but just generally the concept of investing your money uh, for assets that appreciate your value potentially. Um, how important is that as Muslims? What should we look for when it comes to investment? Should we be wary of, of certain things, certain companies, despite it being classed as halal by some people? How do we how do we meander around the concept of investments? So, uh, have you heard of the word? Have you heard of the phrase monetization? Um, monetization is like. Uh, I have heard of it. I can't really define it. So, so let me explain what monetization is. If you, normally, if you have money, obviously mm. money, you have you have pounds, you have dirhams and dinar, whatever you have, mm. you have money. The purpose of money is to is to store your mm. hard labor until when you wish to use and dispense that 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 money and use mm. it. If you're in, if you are in a situation where the medium of storage is degrading, is being eroded away, is being destroyed on a regular basis, i.e. inflation, mm. Mm. people move their value, move their work to a better medium of, of storage. So this is not even an issue of this investment. This is not an issue of making money. It's just an issue of preserving what you've already got. So what yeah. happened, what's happening right now globally for many decades now is the monetization of assets, meaning the people using... Um, other assets to store wealth as well as make money. Mm. Let me give you an example. I've got money in the bank. Rather than sitting in the bank and losing 2 to 7% every year, yeah. why not I buy a, buy a property? Mm. Yeah, why not I buy a property that at least, at least 
keeps up with inflation that I don't even, I'm not even losing value. So yeah, yeah. The, the price of my money is going down by 2%, but the price of this house is going up by 2%. At least that balances off mm. with what we're doing. This constant juggling on, on this, so, so this, what this means is a lot of these assets, whether it be stocks, whether it be uh, commodities like gold and silver and whatnot, whether it be um, savings accounts, savings accounts, whether, yeah. a lot of these things, a lot of these assets, a lot of these things, have been used as alternative means of store of value. Hmm. Again, that means that there are buyers of the asset. They don't want the asset. They just want to preserve the loss of purchasing power of their money. Yeah. Mon- that's, 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 mean, well, yeah. That's, that's what meant by monetization okay. of an asset. I.e. The, 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 the transition of this asset from being what it is to being money. Hmm. Let me give you an example of, how, how, of an extreme example of monetization. In Venezuela, when they were having inflation of thousands of percent, like a year, yeah, that, mean, that means like this January 2021, a chicken was like a thousand boulevards, and now the next year later, it's like 10,000 boulevards. That's what some man is mm. like this, yeah? Yeah. What, the, what Argentinians were doing, so not Argentinians, what the, the Venezuelans are doing, they were buying like crazy washing machines, fridges, cars, whatever, and leaving it in the packaging. So that when they wanted to spend that money, then they yeah. sold it for the market price. Mm. And also they made money because the price of these things were constantly going up and up and up and up. What so, that means is they actually monetized yeah. the washing machine. <laughs> they turned yeah. washing machines and fridges and you cars a, yeah. into money, into storage of money. Mm. Even in countries that you find that often in countries of inflation, like in Turkey, you'd be surprised that cars yeah. in Turkey are very expensive. Yeah. Why are cars expensive? <clears throat> because Turks see cars, or not all, but sometimes they're taking cars as not just, I want a car because it's cool, but because it's a good means to store your wealth. Having a nice mm. car doesn't depreciate like it does in the UK. Actually, you can hold it, mm. but it even go up. I think they have so their own car companies as well within Turkey. It's got an ecosystem of yeah. cars, I believe. They have, they have yeah. their own. They have, yeah. Turkey's got a really strong economy, generally speaking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. putting aside it's, it's lira, yeah. as, a, as a body of people, they're, yeah. they're insane. Back to the point, so when it comes to investment people have to be aware that this is happening around them before they even got involved in investment well mm. people around them are using these things just 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 to avoid inflation and what that means is yeah. <clears throat> there could be a shift in what people monetize if for whatever reason people decide to not use houses anymore as a store of value and start using other things as a store of value that will have an impact on the price of housing. Mm. It has to do with the demand. The demand hasn't gone down. It's not like, it's not like people no longer want houses. They just don't want houses. But the, it's, it's just that those who never wanted a house, they just want to store their wealth, are now, are not, are now going elsewhere. So there's also these things you have to factor in when it comes to investment uh, purposes. So back to the, your question, what advice would I give to a person who wants to look at investment? The first thing I would advise is not to invest at all, any amount of their money until they've educated themselves on what it means to invest and then how to invest. Most people just want, to, want me to tell them, buy this stock and I'll rush up and buy it. That's not mm. how you make money. Making mm. money is to know where and when to execute your trade. Sometimes, even in the markets, it's not about what you know, it's how you execute the trade. What was mm. your entry point? What was your exit point? When did you buy? When did you sell? 
when is a good time to buy when is a good time to sell and that knowledge comes with experience it's like um some people always say to me oh bro i want to trade cryptocurrency i want to trade i want to trade stocks i want to trade i want to trade i said to him look bro if you want to be a chef if you want to be a chef how many dishes would you ruin before you're a good chef many for maybe a couple of years even you'll be burning all day long mm. so now convert that, those burnt dishes into burnt trades and each trade mm. is the capital in your hand you're going to lose a lot of money before you even begun to become profitable which is why trading isn't this quick thing you can just do and, and therefore you make money it takes a lot of time patience and experience to do so and maybe it's better to do something else that you're good at does that, does that make mm. sense like a business so, um, or something else like a business um my point is in conclusion is that there is no straightforward answer as to where one must go i have mm. my own strategy i have my mm. own advice i would give myself and i and i act upon but what should you do i would always yeah. say educate yourself on mm. on the world around you and if you understand the world around you you understand where your money should go so the good place to start in that in mm. that journey in education are two fundamental books one I already mentioned called the fiat standard and the other one is called the bitcoin standard why those two books okay. it's not because I'm just shilling bitcoin and what not put bitcoin <laughs> aside i mean literally put bitcoin aside i know it says the bitcoin standard but it's more to do with the world around us mm-hmm. i want you to learn about rather than the bitcoin itself maybe you like bitcoin maybe you don't yeah. like bitcoin but the thing is the system the structure the system yeah. bitcoin Framework. came about as a result as a reaction to the system the question is mm. what is this system it was reacting to that's what i want you to focus on forget bitcoin mm. forget what it's just, just focus on what is the system yeah. is how does it function why is it function that way once you understand that i guarantee you'd have a better understand a better way a better mm. um uh you'd have the tools available mm. to make better decisions that's just that's the thing as education is the way for two books the fear standard bitcoin standard, and maybe another one uh called the price of tomorrow the price of tomorrow basically refers to um it talks about how inflationary economies work and how deflationary mm. economies work basically it's a bit it's like economic but those two books are yeah. are good places to start i think it's been an absolute pleasure uh to <laughs> to have you on the podcast i think you're very multifaceted you've got you know very unique perspective uh and the most important thing about it is that you're grounded by the sharia which makes it even better. So you can get advice from certain things within the framework of Islam, what's permissible, what's better for us, uh, and the spiritual advice. And I think that's very underrated in terms of today. People don't respect it enough, uh, but it's definitely something well, that well, I appreciate. I hope, I hope that's you. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and I think our listeners who will be seeing this podcast, <laughs> it is that way, Sheikh. I know you're being a humble man, I accept it from you. <laughs> but I, I think uh, for the viewers, inshallah, I'll be viewing this later on. Do put questions in if you have any questions for the Sheikh. You can, I'm sure you can contact him through Twitter. Mashallah, he's got he's got an active Twitter account, I believe. I checked it out. Uh, mashallah. So do contact the Sheikh or not if you have any questions. If you want to hit, if you want to feature again in the podcast for specific topics on finance again, or perhaps even his Arabic understanding of how to approach Arabic, whatever it is, if you put it in the comment section below, I think it definitely we probably might get comments on that. Bid as well. So yeah, Jazakallah Khair, Sheikh Hona. Very busy, very busy man.
uh, and uh, بإذن ربي we'll continue uh, perhaps have you again on the podcast بإذن ربي إن شاء الله الله يبارك فيك وحياكم الله بحمدك ونشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت ونستغفرك وإليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله أمين ويكفي شكرا حياك الله حبيبي يا 